Do you ever catch yourself in the middle of a work day, doing your tasks, going about your business, and then all of a sudden you have these interesting thoughts that come in. Thoughts about, I don't really want to do this. This work is not good enough. I could be doing it better. I've already procrastinated so many hours. I wish I had done it earlier. You get the point. The list goes on. Before you know it, you are down the well of despair and negative self-talk and that little monkey, the gremlin, the inner critic, whatever you want to name it, is ready to unleash on you. Well, did you know that with people with ADHD, that is a common reoccurrence that happens of the negative self-talk that we go through and we go through it um, pretty frequently and pretty intensely. So today, in this episode, I have the pleasure of speaking with an expert. He even has a whole chapter dedicated to this topic in his new book. So without further ado, I have the pleasure of introducing you to and welcoming back Dr. Ned Hallowell to the show. For those of you that don't know who Dr. Ned Hallowell is, well, first of all, you really got to know who he is because he is all about ADHD and all expertise in the field of ADHD. He is a board certified child and adult psychiatrist and a world authority on ADHD. He is the founder of the Hallowell ADHD centers in Boston, New York City, San Francisco, Palo Alto, and Seattle. I wish he was here also in Canada. He has spent the past four decades helping thousands of adults and children live happy and productive lives through his strength-based approach to neurodiversity and has ADHD and dyslexia himself. Dr. Ned Hallowell is a New York Times bestselling author and has written 20 books on multiple psychological topics. And today we are going to talk about his new book, ADHD 2.0. He is also the host of Distraction Podcast. Dr. Hallowell explores with his guests how to better connect with others and how each of us can implement strategies that can turn modern problems into newfound strengths. Let's welcome Dr. Ned Hallowell. Let's get into it. Welcome to Proudly ADHD at work and in business. I am your host, Coach Kathy Rashidian, and I help professionals like you understand the science behind your unique brain so you can unlock that inner genius. Ready to transform your ADHD into your best asset? Keep listening. Welcome to another episode with Coach Kathy. Today, I have the pleasure of having Dr. Ned Hallowell back on the show. It's an honor, it's an absolute pleasure. So here we are. We're going to pick his brain on ADHD 2.0, a new book that's come out. And I just finished listening to it because yes, I listen. I don't read. <laughs> it just doesn't happen for me. Um, so ADHD 2.0 written by Dr. Ned Hallowell and John J. Rady. The subtitle, I love this. It's new science and essential strategies for thriving with distraction from childhood through adulthood. And I have to say, after listening to a doctor, it was like a little mini handbook. I was like, everybody should have this. So welcome, doctor. Let's get into this. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you. And, and by the way, the American pronunciation of the title is ADHD 2.0. 
Oh. So you guys say dot O and we say point zero. All right. And you know, I think that's a bit of a tech in me because the former Uh, tech in me, everything was dot something. So point zero. There it is. You know, there's a funny story. There's actually a woman in Kansas whose name is dot com. No, it isn't. Yes, her life changed a lot a while ago. (laughs) How did I not know about this? Amazing. It's Dorothy Com, and she's called Dot Com. Of course. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Great. Well, on that note, folks, as we tangent into Dot Com. How how could we not tangent? Of course. Let's bring it back. Let's bring it back. I am looking at this i love the way that this book is structured because just just for a second i want to give you an outline of this book so we've got the trait in chapter one then we're going to talk about and not that we're going to go through each chapter here we're i'm going to pick pick a few topics that i think are super key here chapter two talks about understanding the demon of the mind we will actually dig into that one then chapter three is about the connection of the cerebellum. We're going to talk about that a little bit. The healing power of connection. I often quote you, doctor, and your vitamin C and vitamin connect. I absolutely love that whole concept. Then the chapter five talks about finding your right difficult, which is like, it was fascinating. I, I actually, just so you all know, I've listened to each of these uh, segments like over and over and I've taken like notes it's amazing. Um, Kathy, you're, chapter- a, you're, a, you're a dream reader. My gosh. I, I t- I'm a nerd. I take notes. I like, I'm like, okay. And then he said this and then I pause and I rewind. That's not a nerd. That means you're curious and serious and you yes. want to learn. And I, I you. love you. I mean, my gosh. Curiosity I- is my, my top five strengths. As I show yeah. you this, this sheet of my strengths and values, we, we, we yeah. think about that. And that's common among people with ADD. You know, I still call it ADD, by the way. I know it's ADHD is, is the new name, but that's okay. And then we're going to give, and we're going to talk about another new name that you've come yeah. up. So just to wrap up the chapters, the environment, you guys talk about environment. There's talk about movement and exercise that the way you explain movement and exercise in that chapter really resonated with me because I have this love hate relationship with exercise. <laughs> I actually it. don't like to call it exercise. I, I call it movement because it doesn't trigger me. <laughs> so and then finally you talk about medication blew my mind and just for the audience I've been doing this work for about three years now and I've been researching three years I've studied with best of the best and I'm like then what are you going to tell me different in this book and then I was like shit he told me some new things (laughs) so here we are the doctor thank you for the amazing work you guys put into this book like truly it's a handbook like I want to everyone that's listening to this just go get the book if if anything this should be your first and for those that I work with are late in life diagnosed this is the book to kind of get you up to speed with what the heck is going on. And an added advantage for the ADD audience is of all my books, this is by far the shortest. Yes. The the manuscript I handed in was 200, it was 125,000 words. The the book that got published is 48,000 words. So the editor had me do bariatric surgery on my, my poor innocent manuscripts and <laughs> sliced it apart. But it was in a good cause because now it's much more ADD reader friendly. You know, yeah. it's very concise. Every chapter is very sinewy and 
you know, nothing, nothing extraneous. And, you know, it, it, it is, it is, has the virtue of brevity. If you leave out the appendices and the index, it's only really about 120 pages long. There you go. So good for the brain. Yeah. I love it. And even the audio was so like, just spot on, not too long, not, not too short, just right. So on that note, let's get into, let's start from the, the new name. Can you give us some context on variable attention stimulus trait? Otherwise, yeah, I, for years, even when I first learned about this condition back in 1981, when it was called attention deficit disorder, I've, I've quarreled with the name because we, and I have the condition myself, we do not have a deficit of attention. If we did, it would be a form of dementia, which it certainly is not. We have an abundance of attention. We're just swimming in attention. Our challenge is to control it, you know, and, and that, you know, and we were talking about curiosity. We are so curious, we can't let any bit of stimulus go by without checking it out. You know, so we're like a dog on a walk, sniffing everything. We sniff everything we possibly can, you know, every tree trunk, every dandelion, every bush, you know, and, and, and the, the butt of the occasional passing dog, you know, so we, we are very curious and, and uh, that makes us uh, very so-called distractible, but, but we do not have a deficit of attention. It's, it's inaccurate, wrong, and it, uh, it's so pejorative, you know. And then the term disorder. Well, there are so many extremely effective, high-achieving, Nobel Prize-winning people who have this condition that it's a disservice to call it a disorder. So I call it a trait. If you manage it properly, it becomes an asset. If you don't, it can indeed be a curse. It can be a horrible thing to have. And, and I'm in the business of helping people turn it into an asset, if not a superpower. So at the suggestion of a woman who uh, worked for KQED in San Francisco, Carrie Feeble, she said, why don't you call it blah? And she came up with the term variable attention stimulus trait. And I give her full credit for that. It, 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 and the acronym VAST is also quite appropriate because the condition takes in far more territory Mm -hmm. than the DSM list of symptoms uh, possibly explores. And so it is a vast condition, uh, takes in every aspect of, of your life. And if you manage it right, enhances every aspect of your life. Now it certainly can detract as well. But vast is, is neutral. It's neither uh, laudatory nor uh, pejorative. A variable attention stimulus trait. If you manage it right, it can become your superpower. Yes. If you don't, it can end you up uh, addicted, in jail, unemployed, multiply divorced, marginalized, depressed, suiciding. You name the bad outcome, it's overly represented among people who have ADHD. But you name a good outcome, successful entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. Pulitzer Prize winners, CEO, you, you name uh, a good outcome, and I'll show you people with ADD overrepresented there as well. Right. Uh, so, so if you take it seriously, if you take understanding it seriously, as you do, Kathy, you know, taking notes and writing things down, education is the key to turning this into a superpower. It doesn't happen automatically, believe me. I mean, some people get lucky and they just stumble into it. But, but more commonly, to turn it into a superpower, 
you have to work at it. You have to mm -hmm. study it, learn it, train yourself, learn new habits, uh, you know, get coaching, get the, the, the right diet, the right schedule, marry the right person, find the right job, all those things. And, and so it, it doesn't happen automatically, but what you're born with is the raw materials for greatness. You're born with the raw materials for just doing tremendously original and exciting things in life. Mm -hmm. I love it. Thank you for that beautiful explanation. And it takes me to, and, and it just your last bit you're talking about, where I want to go with this is, is epigenetics. And in, in the chapter where you talk about the demon, you start with talking about the epigenetics. And some of us have these, these genes that are kind of sitting there. Well, epigenetics is, is a wonderfully exciting new field. And it really is about the influence the environment has upon genetic expression. Nothing is 100% genetic. Even height, if, if you live in a cave and never get sunshine, you're not going to grow as tall as if you live outside in the sunlight. So even something as predominantly genetic as height has, a, has an environmental impact influence built into it. So, and that's the field of epigenetics. How do, we, how do we measure, assess, predict, regulate, control the impact of environment upon the genetics uh, that, you're, that you're born with? Now, ADHD is a highly heritable trait. Heritable just means you have the genes that predispose to developing it. Mm -hmm. But it requires a, the right environment to draw it out in, in a good way. And if you have the wrong environment, it'll draw it out in a really negative way. So if you grow up in, in, a, in a chaotic, abusive situation of deprivation, poverty, you know, you're not going to do nearly as well. Nobody would, whether they have the ADHD predisposition or not. That's right. You know, early deprivation and trauma predisposed to negative outcomes. Not 100% though, and I, I can cite my own self as an example of that. It, no matter what it is, you can, you can overcome it and turn it into something good. But, but the, the whole field of epigenetics has, has helped us in the world of ADD by stressing that the, that the proper environment, what I call a stellar environment, leads to the best outcome. Mm -hmm. And the reason I went there is because in my I was late in life diagnosed and in my 20 years of corporate career, I ended up at the right place at the right time. I was in marketing. It was fast paced. It was all IT and technology. So I didn't know about my ADHD then. I was just like, what are you talking about? It, I've done this amazing career, done major things in Canada and in, in the telco industry and consulting side. And and then when the baby came, it's like, oh, okay, here it is. Yes, the brain yes. doesn't want to do this anymore. <laughs> right, right, right. No. So let's go deeper into, in the same chapter, you talk about the task positive network and the DMN, default mode network. You talk about them as in they're both good in their ways and then something happens and then there's this, and the way the ADHD brain wiring works these two can can kind of not interact with each other very well. So let's well, let me let me explain it in yes. in in simple terms. And this is straight out of fMRI. So this is very reliable neuroscience, recent neuroscience. When you're engaged in a task, when you're doing something, you're writing a letter, you're painting a painting, you're drafting a proposal. When your imagination is focused down in, in an act of of creation of any kind, could be planting your garden. Four different regions of your brain light up on the fMRI screen. 
and you know you're so you're you're watching your brain as it operates and in aggregate those four regions are called the task positive network the tpn when you're in the task positive network you're working at your best you're focused you're creative you're taking advantage of the special powers that come with adhd okay when the task is over those four regions of your brain shut down they go dark and instead in their place what lights up is called the default mode network for other regions of your brain and it's it's the seat of your imagination but when the default mode network is not connected to a positive task. In people with ADD, it tends to send out a stream of horrible negative stuff. You're you're stupid, you're ugly, you're boring, you'll never amount to anything, nothing's gonna work out. Why do you even bother? What a waste of space you are. Life is stupid, life is pointless. Why don't you just end it all? I mean, just this, just this rancid stream of negativity. And and what's so pernicious about it is it holds your attention. See, contentment is too bland. Mm -hmm. You don't say she was riveted in contentment, Mm -hmm. but you do say she was riveted in fear, worry, self-hatred. You know, it's absolutely gripping. Yes. So we stay there in this this place of self-torture because it's so gripping. And when something is gripping, you get the dopamines, the dopamine hit that you get when something is really pleasurable. It's so it, it, there's there's a, a twisted kind of pleasure in this pain, mm-hmm. and and that's why you why, that's why you you stick with it. And but it's torture. It, it, you you want to break this habit. There's no you know some suffering is good suffering. Lifting weights, studying hard, that's good pain. This is bad pain. There's nothing productive comes out of this. Even the 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 pleasure you're supposedly having isn't pleasure it's it's painful and so and so what you want to learn to do is don't feed the demon don't feed the dmn i call the dmn the demon and how do you not feed it you redirect your attention yeah this is hard to do you're having to you're having to redirect away from something that's gripping painful but gripping so you have to redirect to something else you have to you know, pick up a crossword and start doing it or turn on loud music or go for a brisk run or, you know, start making chicken soup or, you know, you, you, you want to engage your imagination in something else and get the bleeping demon out of your brain. And the only way to do that, other than you know, hitting yourself with a hammer, <laughs> it, it, it is, to, is to redirect your attention. Don't feed the demon. It's not easy because, you know, we tend to stay, you know, it's like looking at a car accident, driving past it. You keep looking at it, even though it's horrible. Well, this is your own mind's car accident of your life. Yeah. And it's horrible. Yeah. And you want to try to learn not to continue to look at it, not to continue to. And people, you know, even people without ADD, it's the person who was hurt by another person 25 years ago in a bitter divorce. And and he keeps going over and over. How could she do that? Or how could he do that? And they keep reliving it. And, and, and as a, as a sort of endless loop, torturing themselves, but it's gripping. So they keep doing it. They keep doing it. They keep doing it. And, and the, the simple solution is so very difficult. Think about something else. 
Don't yeah. be playing the tape. So, so that toggle that that comes for those naturally to then go into their TPN. Or, right. or, but you also talk about the default mode network has its benefit too of, of creativity. Oh of, yeah, no, it's the seat right? of the imagination. Mm-hmm. And it just, it's gotta be connected through the TPN to be productive. There it is. It's gotta yeah. have a positive task. Otherwise, if it doesn't have that connection, then it just spews out the negative. No, the, the DMM, like everything in, in ADD, it's, it's, it's a combination of a positive and, ne- and a negative. The positive, yes, that's the source of creativity, your imagination. Mm-hmm. But the negative, when it doesn't have a, a, a structured outlet, then it produces horribleness. That's why I talk about in the chapter on Find the Right Difficult, the yes. tremendous importance of having a creative outlet. The reason that I write so many books, if I don't have a book going, I get depressed. I need that structure. I need that creative outlet. And, and you know, it, it's, it, it's, I just discovered over the years, I mean, I, you know, I tell people I'm like a cow. I need to be milked. Yeah, you know? I've heard you <laughs> yeah and and uh, you know, so so this creative outlet is is really a kind of a biological necessity, so that my default mode network can be heading, you know, offering up positive mm-hmm. output instead of instead of horribly, miserably negative. Yeah, I I this is I think so fundamental because as I'm looking at all the self help books on my shelf you know, about how to quieten the chatter, all of that. Once we understand the connection to ADHD, because I feel like some of these self-help books have been written for neurotypicals, but when you explain it this way, then it made sense to me. And that's why when I talk to my clients, it's like, this is why you're ruminating and here's the science behind it now. And there's no philosophical like coaching technique. I mean, there, there's some things that I do with them, but sometimes it's just, snap out of it. That's it. That's all I have to say to you, <laughs> you know, yeah, and it's that yeah, simple. Yeah. And, and I, I appreciate when I hear the science behind it, it makes sense. Now on the same note on the TPN also, just to kind of balance the positive and negative, you talk about how we can end up into this hyper-focus and how it relates to transitioning from task to task. How do you, what do you suggest we do when we're in this like hyper-focus and you were saying like that's when the TPN is activated and you're like really in there. What do we do to transition out? Well, finish the task. You know, I mean, it, it, and it can take, you can be in that state all day. You know, some people call it flow. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it usually lasts shorter than that though. It, it, yeah. Usually you can't sustain flow for, you know, much. I, I, what I'm writing, I can't do it for much honestly, much longer than an hour. And then I can come back and get into it. So, you know, so, and, and, but, but if someone interrupts you when you're in that state, you can fly off the handle. Oh, yes. You can get really angry because you're, it's like you're, it's like coitus interruptus, you know, you're, what what are you doing? Why are you interrupting me? I'm in the middle of this, you know, it's, it's very upsetting. Mm -hmm. So we, we don't want to be interrupted in the middle of it. And the best thing to do is just to let it play itself out because it's, it, it can't go on indefinitely. So then when people are video gaming, where are they at with that when it's like... Yeah, they're, they're, they're in a uh, sort of a mindless version of, of flow. Mm-hmm. They're, they're very focused, but they're not being terribly creative. They're being marginally creative. 
you know, but it, it, it's more like the state you're in when you're driving down the highway and mm -hmm. the, the, the arrow, the, the line, the broken lines are sort of hypnotizing you. And you're, you're still paying attention to driving somewhat, but, but you're hip hypnotized. It, it's not a productive state. Okay. Any recommendation on how to snap out of it or just... just don't do snap? it. Don't do it. <laughs> I don't love how it. you're so direct. There's no, just don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Sometimes some of this stuff, like there is no magic tool or a magic pill that I can give my clients. I'm like, it just is. But the more we educate ourselves like this with these kind of conversations, then I call it, then you become really a conscious choice. You're consciously making choices throughout your day. Do right. I want to be in hyper focus? Do I want to sit here and ruminate for three hours? Fine. You can do that too. Right, right. But and it's, I, you know, like lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, you know? So mm. you want to avoid the things that will tempt you. And, and, at the, and at the same time, don't engage with the things that will bring you down. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So last point, let's go to the last point, Cerebellum. And as, as I said, folks, I'm not going to cover the whole book with him because I want you to go pick it up yourself, audiobook or physical book. I'm actually going to pick up the physical book now because I need to write notes in it. So yeah. it's like, this is getting expensive with the audio and physical at the same time. Yeah. So why should we, what is the cerebellum in our brain? What's this function and why does it matter for ADHD, please? It, I just had an ADD moment. When you said cerebellum, I envisioned a woman's name, cerebellum. Yes, so, beautiful know, name. <laughs> someone from the deep south, cerebellum. But no, this is C-E-R-E-B-E-L-L-U-M and it literally means little brain. And it's a region at the base and the back of the brain, right on top of the spinal column, that, that occupies only 10% of brain volume, but has 70% of the neurons in the brain. It's packed. And until recently, nobody knew how tremendously important it was. But thanks to Jeremy Schmaman and his studies at, at Harvard Medical School, that's S-C-H-M-A-H-M-A-N-N, -N, Jeremy Schmaman, he's... He's really put the cerebellum on the map. And, and what he's shown is that it is not just a, an organ for regulating balance. We always knew it was important for that. But in fact, it's richly connected to the frontal parts of the brain where all the stuff that we think matters in, in higher cortical function happens, executive function, decision-making, priority, prioritization, telling the differences between perceiving similarities, appreciating irony, regulating mood and emotion, all of that. Wow. Uh, the cerebellum is, is very involved in that. And the practical application of this is we, we, there's good evidence that by stimulating the cerebellum, you could bring about positive changes in ADHD. And, and how do you do that? Any exercise that challenges balance will stimulate the cerebellum. So for example, if you, if you just get dressed without sitting down, put on your underwear and socks without sitting down and undress the same thing. Standing on a wobble board, standing on one leg, and then standing on one leg with your eyes closed. When you close your eyes, whatever you're doing becomes more difficult to balance. Yes. Uh, because so much of balance is external, externally mediated. So, and if you, and, and if you, there's actually a program developed by a guy named Winford Dorr in England, where he, he has a graduated series of exercises. And if you do them for 10 minutes, twice a day in three to six months, 80% of the people who go to his program 
get get improvement in, in their ADHD symptoms. I, I think it's the best non-medication treatment for ADHD that I know of. And it's why people with this condition are drawn to sports like surfing, skiing, skateboarding, trampoline, any, any gymnastics, anything that challenges balance. We naturally love because it's really good for our brain. Amazing. Amazing. I have a mini trampoline. And ever since you've, you've, I've heard you talk about this, I, I, you know, I stand with one foot and then I'm closing my eyes. Like I'm, I'm just playing with it. And I love one thing you said in your book, it was about shift, changing it up. Like one day do this, the next day yeah. do something else. It yeah, doesn't have yeah. to be like 30 days of yoga. Like I'm yeah, no. to do that. <laughs> and, and some things you can just make a habit, like just get dressed without sitting down. That's it. Get dressed and undressed without sitting down. Do it near your bed in, in case you fall over, you know. Yep. But you know, it, it's just a few seconds. And, and, it, it, it's, and it's not only good for your balance, it's good for your core. So it's a, it's a quick little core exercise to, you know, to, that you can do at the start and the end of every day. Absolutely. And then if you go to the gym, you add a third time of getting undressed and dressed. And dressed there you and go. And, and I like how weaving it into your life. So it doesn't have to become this like exactly or, or thing. And yeah, and no, when it becomes a chore, we, we're the masters of avoidance and procrastination. So absolutely. When it's a chore, we'll, we'll find a way not to do it. Exactly. The two words of routine and structure. I'm like, ew, don't swear. Why are you swearing? Why are you using those words? Yeah, 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 <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and for me, it's about rhythm and momentum. What's the rhythm of my day? What, what momentum do I want to get into? That's really it's, good. That's yeah, really it's good. easier, right? Go the ahead. last chapter of the book is called Find Your Feel and Make It Real. Mm-hmm. And that's based on a, a golf swing. But that's all about momentum. It's all about rhythm. It's all about cadence. It's all about getting into a, a way of going through the day where you almost don't have to think about it. That's and by right. the way, that's cerebellar mediated. That's mm-hmm. all the cerebellum is the seat of automaticity where thing where, you know, you can play a piano piece and not have to think about what keys you're striking. Amazing. Or you can ride a bike and not have to think about how you're balancing. I like that. Thank you so much, doctor. So before I lose the attention span of my listeners, <laughs> is there anything, is there one thing that I, that you would have wanted to say in this, in this audio that I, that you want to capture? What's Well, lo- love, love is the answer. You know, connection is the answer. And today's world is, is perilously disconnected. Mm-hmm. So reach out uh, to friends, to neighbors, to, uh, and not only to people, to dogs, pets, to nature itself, reach out to nature, connect with nature, to works of art, to beauty, to music, to causes. We're very mission-driven, we people with ADHD, you know, so have a mission. Sounds like you and I are on the same kind of Mm -hmm. mission to try to bring this condition to greater awareness. So all this connection, this other vitamin C, vitamin connect, at its most condensed, we call it love. Yeah. Uh, But then as it spreads out, it attenuates, you know, I, I just call it connection. So it, connection drives pretty much everything that's positive in life. Mm-hmm. And disconnection lies behind most of the bad stuff we see. Mm-hmm. Makes so much sense. Thank you for that. And folks, just so you know, Dr. Hallowell from time to time shows up on Clubhouse. And by now you've heard me talk about Clubhouse. It is my social media of, it is my go-to social media. And part of it is because you have conversations like this. It's natural. I don't have to do my makeup. I could be in my jammies. It's great. 
And Which room do you go to, Kathy? Catherine holds a room at yes. about your 128 questions, yeah, and she yeah. facilitates that very beautifully. So I'm I'm there. I'm also part of the ADHD Entrepreneurs Club. Oh. I'm one of the moderators there. Oh, wonderful! So from time to time, we hold rooms and we talk about ADHD and entrepreneurship. Wonderful. And recently, I've been doing some rooms with my Persian community where we talk in Farsi and wow. And yeah. Wow. And, and it's so amazing because I've been wanting to be with this community for so long. I just didn't know what the venue was and through clubhouse. Here's this community that mental health stigma and, and we're digressing for one second. Yeah, I yeah, just want to yeah, plug yeah, this yeah. in yeah. about different cultures and how they see ADHD, right? In my community, ADHD is like this, you're broken. Yes. And so for me, my mission is to be in my Iranian community to say, we're not broken. We're actually pretty damn smart. And you. here's how we operate. So the more I can be of service to that community, that's what I do in Clubhouse there. There is one thing about Clubhouse is when we're holding these spaces for mental health, you better know how to manage that conversation yes. and the yes. skills because there's some heavy stuff that gets shared publicly. Yeah. There's yeah. emotions that come up and it's really yeah. important. And even for the cause, for those of, of us listening to this and you want to be an advocate of ADHD, right. please do your homework so right. you know when you want to defend it in, in effective ways, not in this like combative ways of, right. well, get used to it. This is me. Right, there right. is a nicer way to, right, doctor? What right, do you say absolutely. about that? Oh, you're so right. And, and one of the, one of the things we ADDers need to work on is, is not shooting from the hip, not yeah. being combative, not, I mean, I watch out for this in myself all the time because my first instinct is just to say, no, you know, or that's wrong or off with your head, you know, and, and that's extremely counterproductive. And, you know, so, because what we want to do is engage and discuss and dialogue and not alienate people and come off like some hot-headed, because we are, we 80 years, we're basically hot-headed. So we have to- Absolutely. There's some, yeah. You know, and, and, and you know, the, the good side of hot-headed is we're passionate, mm -hmm. but the downside is we can be obnoxious and, and, you know, turn people off. And so we have to, I have to work on, you know, you know, considering, I, I never forget this woman who was an executive and, and she just wasn't rising in the company. And then, and then she shot up to executive VP and, and I said, what happened? She said, I, I finally, she said, I'm a recovering self-righteous bitch. Ooh, good one. She said, I used to go into a meeting with the sole purpose of being right. Yes. And I would do all my homework, but then someone told me, you know, your way of being right is to make other people feel wrong. Mm-hmm. And people don't like that. They don't like being humiliated. And, and, you know, so she said, once I learned that and I learned to listen and I learned to treat opposing points of view with respect rather than ridicule and, and domination, I became executive VP, you know, and, and, and I think for those of us with ADD, it's an important lesson that, yeah, it's you know, it, it, yeah. Being, being right is way overrated. And I think part of that, uh, Doc, as I see my in my clients, is that they can see the solution much quicker than everybody yes. else. Yes. So they latch on to that. And it's like, okay, I know you see the solution, but here's a couple of steps we need to take to influence with integrity, I call it. Good for you. As, as opposed to this like bam, and then there and then yeah. the emotional regulation, right? Right. And and then people don't want to agree agree with you, even if they know you're right. 
Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. I mean, clearly we could talk for hours, doctors. So thank you so much for your time and all of this wisdom. Again, folks, get his book. This is the one book I want you to get and study. <laughs> all the other books, you know, whatever. I mean, they have their space, but this, this is the latest one that I really like the way both doctors have packaged it up. I thank you from the bottom of my heart, doctor. This was amazing. Thank you, Kathy. You're, you're a real blessing. Absolutely. Until next time, folks, keep on shining.